Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Gobble, gobble. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is November 22nd. This is Turkey Week. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. My name's Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, uh, not anyone that I would call a turkey. <laughs> My good friend, Chris Rito. How you doing tonight, Chris? Uh, boy, you took the line. I was going to use that one right back at you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to all of our <laughs> listeners as well. Definitely my favorite holiday of the year. You got food, you got family, you got football, and you know maybe in that order, maybe not for some people, but they're, they're three of my favorite things. So I'm looking forward to all the games and the holiday itself, and uh, certainly to talking to some fantasy football with you about the week the week's games coming up tonight. Yep, uh, lots of uh, things to do during this family week. Hopefully, you guys get to where you need to go uh, safely. Be careful out there. Lots of travel going on and delays in the airport and such. Anyway, we've got lots of news to talk about for uh, in NFL and fantasy-related here. The first one, let's uh, go right into get right into it. Uh, unfortunately, the New York Giants lost another wide receiver to a torn ACL. This time it was rookie Rondell Robinson right in the middle of a breakout game. Uh, what, nine or ten catches there, and then down he goes uh, early in the – I think it was early in the fourth or late in the third uh, with a torn ACL. And now that leaves Darius Slayton, uh, my favorite pickup that I picked up everywhere. <laughs> but OBJ is coming into town for a visit, and it looks like either the Giants or the Dallas Cowboys uh, could sign him. But, uh, Chris, in the meantime, before we get to OBJ, whether he signs or not, uh, what's the fantasy impact for the Giants moving forward, especially this week uh, without Wondell Robinson there? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I think you hit it on the head with Darius Slayton being the guy that's going to be the biggest beneficiary. He was already kind of serving as their number one most games, although, although like you said, Robinson was having a big game this week. He's going to continue to get the lion's share. You know, maybe this is the last gasp for, for Kenny Galladay, but I wouldn't bank on him, and I certainly wouldn't roster him or start him. But, uh, you know, you mentioned OBJ. I think what this does is that it doesn't make the Giants more attractive to OBJ but it does make OBJ more attractive to the Giants. So if it comes down to what they can offer or will offer, this may have upped the ante from what the Giants might add from their side to push them over the top this year. 
Yeah, the uh, the former uh, slot receiver before Wondell uh, came back from his original injury at the start of the year was Richie James, and he's kind of dinged right now, but he's set to take over that role. So that's somebody you might want to keep an eye on out there on your waiver wire uh, people. <laughs> so, But like you said, I think uh, you know this is all going to come down to whether the Giants are going to pony up for more years than just the rest of this year. OBJ wants a multi-year deal on any contract that he signs. I don't know if he's going to get it, but he's going to push for it. <clears throat> And it's going to be interesting because the Giants really do need OBJ more than the Cowboys do, especially after this past week. But we shall see what happens there. Uh, Moving on over to Atlanta, uh, they suffered a big injury to their uh, tight end, uh, (laughs) Kyle Pitts. He uh, ripped his knee, and he's placed on uh, IR. Fantasy Impact, Chris, what's going on uh, with the passing game in Atlanta? Well, the the big thing, and no big surprise here, Drake London was already starting to take over getting more targets and, and catches and looks than Kyle Pitts. I think that's going to continue to be the case. Um, this is a run-first offense. It's a run-heavy offense. Even their quarterback runs a lot rather than pass it. So I don't really think it changes a whole lot. I think it does cement that Drake London will be serviceable at least down the stretch and maybe somewhat matchup dependent. But, uh, you know, with, there's been, uh, you know, just carnage at the tight end positions here, and Pitts has been kind of underperforming anyway. So, obviously, you drop him except in dynasty leagues, and uh, you move on from there. And uh, you can probably find somebody that's been putting up better numbers than Pitts on the waiver wire anyway, unfortunately. You just play matchup yeah. stream the rest of the way. You're exactly right there. But uh, it's interesting because I saw the highlight last week because we had him, but we didn't start him. Drake London caught that touchdown. I said, oh, he's going to have a good game. Now this is only catch in the game. So I know that they're run first and all, but this is kind of ridiculous. You've also got Olamide uh, Zacchaeus, uh, Demir Bird, that occasionally make plays. They might see a few more targets here or there, but I think uh, I agree with you. Drake London is going to be the, the beneficiary, even though they are run first. And, of course, maybe more passes to Cordell Patterson. Uh, of course, he returns kicks for score still. <laughs> and, of course, you know, runs the football in the red zone, so we'll see there. Uh, boy, I tell you, it looks like there's a, um, a complete meltdown going on over in L.A. with the Rams. Matthew Stafford got knocked out of the game again with another concussion. Has he got a concussion? I don't know. He's in the protocol. We'll see he's still under evaluation, going to play. Uh, we've got other things to talk about with, the, with regards to the Rams a lot. But uh, what's your opinion of uh, Matthew Stafford? If he Should he play this week? And if he doesn't, and if John Wolford can't play, does this make all of the offensive players of the Rams unstartable for fantasy? Uh Short answer is almost. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of those guys later in our clicks and flicks. But the interesting thing about Stafford is that he's not been officially placed in the protocol yet, which seems odd. But if you had concussion-like symptoms a few days after being in the protocol before, you wouldn't just put him in the protocol and let him progress through it. So the fact that they hadn't officially put him in yet is, is kind of weird to me. But the fact that he had two concussions in consecutive games, especially after the Tua incident earlier this year, I've got to believe he's going to be he's going to be out. For, for at least this game, if maybe not a few more. And there was actually talk that he may consider retiring after this year. He, he and, his, and his wife especially have already talked very publicly about concerns about his health and his, and his head health. So uh, I, I think this, from a dynasty perspective, is also an issue that I think Stafford really runs the risk of not being back not only this year but really ever. Wow, uh, that kind of makes sense because the, unless you're Tom Brady, <laughs> uh, he got his ring. You know, he, he moved to L.A., you know, they got the trade. Uh, you know, they, they, they had their big, huge year. They uh, they won the big, uh, you know, bowl, Super Bowl, got the ring. 
So what else is there to do? So yeah, if your health starts going down you know, downhill because of uh, your playing here, uh, you know, uh, obviously the team's not going anywhere this year. But I think what they what seven losses already. So <laughs> you know, they're I think they're um, they're what are they more the double digit underdogs to uh, is it the Chiefs who are playing this week? It is the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah, surprised. They're, yeah, they're, it's, uh, it's, it's not looking good. And I'm going to just skip here because this makes sense. The Rams released Daryl Henderson today. It's interesting because I was talking about this in, in the market feature of our newsletter. Very curious situation happened uh, in the game where Henderson actually started the game and, and was in for the first three plays at two carries, nine yards. They punted the ball. Uh, and in the next series, uh, 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 Kyron Williams uh, got the, the, the start there on that series. And Henderson was in for one play, went out for a pass, didn't get – uh, the the ball thrown to him, and then was pulled from the game and did not uh, play again the entire game. Cam Akers saw most of the carries there, but they sprinkled in Williams here and there, and he caught some passes. Uh, and now they cut him. So I got I got to wonder did uh, did Daryl say something to the wrong coach or something? <laughs> I don't know, but you know his, his contract was up at the end of the year. He might just not, might not have been uh, in their plans, and they want to get more uh, touches for Kyron Williams. But it was kind of an interesting, weird type of feel what what is your thoughts on the situation with daryl henderson gone and do you think anyone else is going to claim him yeah i mean to, to your first question yeah i really think a little bit of all the things you said are there because it doesn't make sense that they would cut him when they when when he was actually their starter unless he was you know disgruntled or they felt he would be disgruntled when they moved to giving acres and kyron williams more touches the rest of the year knowing that they're out of it basically they're going to try and you know plan for their future and their future is probably williams followed by acres so it, it does kind of make sense to me that maybe he was a little bit disgruntled and, you know, certainly he was, he's not in their plans for the future. What doesn't make sense to me is if, is just letting him go. Um, they did say he had, or uh, the coach, uh, McVay said he had a knee injury that was bugging him, although Henderson seemed to kind of poo-poo that. So there's something going on here, and I think there might be a little bit more than, than what they've said publicly. Okay. Well, let's move on to another shocking release. I guess maybe it might not be shocking, but uh, it looks like somebody's trying to blame shift here. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, the Denver Broncos released Melvin Gordon. Now, Melvin Gordon was good enough to share time with Javonta Williams, and Javonta Williams went down with an injury. And then, of course, they brought in Latavius Murray. And then uh, Gordon, here's another guy that was starting the game, and now he's gone. Uh, now, granted, he had his fifth fumble, but they didn't lose the, the, the fumble, the, the, the balls, you know, the turnovers. They, didn't have, they weren't turnovers. And the bottom line is that Chase Edmonds uh, injured his ankle a couple of plays into the into the uh, the game, and they put him on IR, so he's out for like four weeks. So, uh, what what do you what do you think the motivation is behind uh, Melvin Gordon? And by the way, he was not claimed, so he is a free agent. He can sign with anyone. Yeah, this, I think this is just a case of you know cutting bait because they clearly have been dissatisfied with him since the that early early year fumble that that cost them the game. I think it was against the Raiders, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah. I, I, there was a lot of weirdness there, a lot of weirdness going on. Um, like you said, with both Henderson and Gordon uh, going to be clearing waivers and they can sign with anybody, I'm sure both of them are going to hook on somewhere for, for a veteran minimum because they've got their, their money already for this year. So hook up somewhere at the veteran minimum to provide some depth for some team that really needs it, although neither one of them is probably going to get into a position where they're going to be hugely fantasy relevant, shy of signing with somebody who then has an injury to their number one guy. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. these are just guys you, you hold for now or you cut if you got somebody better on the waiver wire to pick up. For example, Cam Akers was let go in a lot of leagues. 
you go back and pick him up because now he's certainly in line to get a fair number of carries, although admittedly at a poor run offense. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just got a gut feeling that Daryl Henderson is going to be claimed by somebody because he's still, I think, on his rookie contract. So it's the last part of that. And, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll see. I know that Houston may claim him and just put him on the bench and cut, you know, Benjamin. I don't know what's going You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. One last big injury to talk about. Mike Williams uh, re-injured his ankle, and uh, I was hurt by this in a lot of leagues because he came in, looked good, uh, in warm-ups, uh, caught a pass and uh, landed all wrong, limped off the sideline, and that was it for uh, Mike, Mike Williams. So, Fantasy Impact, Chris, if you own Mike Williams, as you know, you're usually number one probably or number two at, at, at the lowest. Uh, and he's going to play this week, but, you know, he's like limited in practice or whatever. Uh, what do you do? Do you, do you go ahead and start him and you take the risk again, or do you, do you try and find an alternative? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, he already was coming back fairly quickly from what they said was a high ankle sprain. Uh, was it two weeks missed? So only three weeks back he had a high ankle sprain, which is usually a four- to six-week injury for a guy that isn't trying to leap and jump and cut. So um, I, I was I was a little bit skeptical anyway, and that re-injury obviously happened pretty pretty easily. So I if if it's me, you probably survived the last few weeks without him. And if you've got a better option, especially this week with nobody on by, I'm probably not starting him. And I want to wait and make him show me he can get through a whole game before I get ballsy enough to to put him in my lineup. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, in fact, in one of my dynasty league, I have Keenan Allen, and I uh, did not start him this past week. In fact, started Juwan Johnson and ended up with getting a couple more points than what Keenan Allen did, but it was nice to see Keenan get through the game. Even though he was in and out, he played about two-thirds, three-quarters of the normal snap count, made a big catch at the end of the game. Uh, they would have won, of course, if they had left like 20 seconds on the clock instead of a minute and a half, and they got Mahomes. But, but uh, it was nice to see Keenan Allen, you know, generate more than 10 points to a PPR. And he said the most important thing is that he came through the game okay. So, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, if, he, if he can practice fully this week, like he did on Friday, then it looks like he's good to go for, uh, you know, at least the, the next game here, and we'll see there. Anyway, uh, we want to thank everybody. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the injury list is always over at ffmastermind.com. Uh, you know, I think we, we kind of developed a habit here of talking about more of the key injuries and such at the start of the show, and we'll just leave the list for people to go uh, over to the site. If you want to see the, the current and comprehensive list over there, uh, a, a newsletter purchase is only fourteen ninety five for the rest of the season. And, of course, we'd like to thank our uh, sponsor uh, for uh, the season, uh, FanDuel. So uh, we urge everyone to tackle millions in prizes all football season long in FanDuel Fantasy Contests. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now new customers get a free single-game entry when you sign up for FanDuel. Single game contests are a great way to get in on the action for the week's biggest matchups with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you can also play full slate contests, including multiple games, season-long best ball uh, contests, and so much more. And when you win, you get paid fast, and I can vouch for that because I've won and gotten paid fast. So kick off your season, whether it's here at late in the season or not. You can you can play it every week if you want. Just start. You get a free single-game entry. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and sign up with the promo code MASTERMIND. That's MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. That's promo code, once again, MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D, to get your free single-game entry. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. 
manage your teams with assistance from the definitive Fantasy Football Information Service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, please uh, check out our website, ffmastermind.com. We just moved to a brand-new, blazing-fast new server. And so we want everyone welcome to the site. Try it out. Try us out there. Of course, uh, vi- visit us for our free NFL Quick Bits uh, news feature. That's our flagship feature. Uh, all the updates, all the news as it happens during the season and the off season. And of course, we post free Eye in the Sky scanning reports, including those that cover the Colts from Chris Rito. Our weekly fantasy newsletter is the mid-season sale uh, coming up on late season. <laughs> it's fourteen ninety-five for the rest of the season. Another couple of weeks, we're going to do one more cut in proration. Uh, and, and you'll be able to uh, get in probably under $10 to try us out. And then there's no reason not to try us out. <laughs> and, of course, follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. Let's get right to the picks to click and flick for this week. These are uh, players you want to possibly consider getting into your lineup or those you want to think twice about starting. Give me a couple quarterbacks you like this week, Chris, and why. Uh, I love Trevor Lawrence this week. He's in the midst of a long stretch of solid matchups. He's actually been a borderline QB1 all season. And now we get the Ravens secondary that's given up a fair amount to the quarterback all year and a possible negative game script, which could increase his volume. He's actually averaging 23 points per game against pass defenses ranked outside the top 10. And the Ravens are number 21 after playing some terrible pass offenses, which brought him up from like the 30 range. So I think with a good coach like Peterson coming out of a bye, I expect him to be rested, attack the Ravens' weaknesses. I think he's got a high floor with volume and some scrambling. Now, that being said, all those things I said about this young golden boy number one pick, I'm going to double down on the veteran cast off Geno Smith with even more vigor. He's also averaging 24 points per game against teams outside the top 10. The Raiders are number 30. The Hawks are also coming off their bye, also have a very good coach who's 5-0 and with a healthy quarterback coming off the bye in recent years. Raiders have allowed the second most rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks despite not playing any of the big rushing threats, so I think there's some room to run here. Um, only Mahomes and Rodgers have thrown multiple TDs in as many games as Geno has this year, and, and Rodgers has played one more game. So I think he's ranging into must-start territory right now. Okay, uh, a couple quarterbacks I like this week. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, well, he's going to be placing the, uh, facing the Cardinals. And uh, they uh, gave up four touchdowns to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, now, of course, Herbert is going to get uh, Keenan Allen again this week. Hopefully he'll get Gerald Everett back and maybe Mike Williams. But I think he's going to rip the Cardinals for a big score uh, in terms of fantasy points. So uh, start them with confidence. I know Lamar Jackson hasn't done much for fantasy and all. But I think against the Jaguars this week, he's going to get it done. I think uh, we're going to see the 
return of Jackson to Andrews in the end zone, maybe even multiple times. And Demarcus Robinson has taken over that lead role at the wideout position, Devin DuVernay. And, of course, uh, Kenyon Drake, I think Lamar is going to uh, produce mid-20s, at least in uh, terms of fantasy for this week. A couple of guys I'm concerned about, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I know he's been relying on Christian Watson the last two weeks to get the job done, and, but the Eagles secondary is not going to allow much. You can bet your, uh, your butt that uh, Mr. Slay is going to be on Mr. Watson this week. So I would uh, be careful about Aaron Rodgers this week. And Daniel Jones. Now, of course, he had a big game last week, but the Giants still lost because they were playing the the Lions and they got inexplicably behind. Well, they were playing the Cowboys. Uh, I don't think it's going to be another repeat of the Vikings game because Daniel Jones is much more mobile than Kirk Cousins. But uh, I just don't see Daniel Jones putting up a big game in Dallas on Turkey Day. Uh, I'm just as a as a big Giants fan, I'm crossing my fingers for an upset, but I don't expect it. We'll see what happens, but I'm not going to start Daniel Jones this week. How about uh, you, Chris, a couple of quarterbacks you're not uh, happy about this week and why? Oh, come on. You didn't call him the Vanilla Vic like his teammate did. That's one of my new favorite nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. Some guys I don't like, um, it's Matt Stafford. We talked about him earlier. I mean, despite his bad play, Stafford was still being rostered in most leagues and started in a few based on matched up matchups. Um, you know, he may or may not have re-entered the concussion protocol for the second time. I don't think that's a good sign. In fact, if he goes back into the concussion protocol officially, I would consider dropping – or I would drop him in any size league. But, but even despite the, the matchup, um, uh, even if he plays, it's without Cooper Cup and too risky for me. I'm just steering clear of almost all Rams this week, even with a charitable opposing defense and a likely favorable game script. Sometimes it's matchups. Sometimes it's just the player. And then my caution play of the week at quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Um, even with the weapons at his disposal, Cousins is still a guy that's in a really tough spot this week. Going up against a Belichick defense, it's really hitting its stride. And aside from ludicrous rushing games from Lamar and Justin Fields, which Cousins just can't do, um, the Patriots have allowed under 15 points per game to quarterbacks this year and allowed under 200 yards passing in those two uh, high rushing games as well. I think he's got a low ceiling for Cousins, and he also does not have a high floor due to his lack of rushing. So you're probably not benching him. But if you have good options like the clicks I mentioned before, I think you should consider them as well because he's outside my top 15 this week. I agree with you totally. In fact, uh, you know, I was working on the rankings for the uh, for the newsletter, and I've got him at number 17 right now, just actually right below Daniel Jones. So there you, there you go. How about a couple of running backs you like this week and why? Um, you know, I love Jeff Wilson. Um, I, have we, any of us realized that since Wilson was traded to the Dolphins and reunited with his former coach from San Francisco, Mike McDaniel, that Raheem Mostert has remained a solid running back too, but that Wilson has been the overall running back number five. Coming in off a trade, he immediately split snaps 50-50 and then dominated them in week 10. So with another week through the bye to learn the playbook and the team and facing the horrible 32nd-ranked Texans run defense, I think Wilson's going to carry feature backload and be an RB1 this week again. Uh, most are still just a big play away from doing the same and will get enough to merit a start. But Wilson could be a weak winner, especially because I noticed most are sat out practice on Monday. If that means anything, Wilson's going to get a huge load. And then I like Ezekiel Elliott this week. I mean, not that you need to be told to start the white-hot Pollard, but Zeke's usage coming off the injury I think is noteworthy. He did post solid numbers with two scores and a lot of carries. Now, the G-men have allowed the fourth-most rushing yards per game, and they are more susceptible up the gut than to the flashy outside guys like Pollard. They've actually allowed the fewest running back receptions in the NFL so far, so the PPR floor for a guy like Zeke is not a big deal with this particular opponent. 
Um, he's also owned the G-men. He scored at least one touchdown in nine of 12 career games against them, seven touchdowns in his last five, and he's topped 100 yards in the other three that he didn't score. Um, he's also averaging 19 PPR points per game in five Thanksgiving games despite one stinker. So really like Zeke on Turkey Day. Yeah, I agree with you, even though I, I hope it doesn't come true. <laughs> okay, a couple of running backs I like this week. Uh, James Conner, uh, you know, you saw him on the Monday night. Uh, he kind of gutted it through, uh, but they got him on the goal line, and they scored on the 49ers. And guess what? He gets the Chargers, and their run defense is maybe only eclipsed by that terrible Houston Texans run defense. So James Conner could score twice in this game. You're going to start him, and he should produce for you. Uh, another guy to consider, uh, Rashard White, coming off the uh, the bye week. He actually started the last game uh, that the, the Bucks played in Germany. Uh, he's going to run well, and I think he's going to score on the Browns this week. He's going to share a little bit of time there with Fournette, but he's going to see plenty, and I think he does score this week. So if you need him, start him. A couple of caution plays, big names. Alvin Kamara, uh, they're playing the 49ers. Now, just like uh, James Conner, he might sneak in a score, but he's not going to have a big game, so you know, be careful there, be aware. And also uh, Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, a caution play number two, yeah. Patriots allowed only two running back scores in 2022 and only one running back to top 73 rushing yards all season long. I believe that was Aaron Jones. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dalvin Cook has kind of been a little bit disappointing this year, and uh, that's right. If Kirk Cousins can't get the job done, they're going to bottle up Cook. Uh, so, you know, just be careful. You stick him in your lineup and hope and pray these scores, and we'll go from there, but don't expect too much from him this week. How about uh, you, Chris, a couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? Uh, David Montgomery is a caution play for me this week. I know folks are enamored with the Bears' commitment to the run. That's just not translated to huge output for their bell cow back. He's monopolized running back touches with the explosive Herbert Limited, but Monty's just not been overly productive with only one game over 67 rush yards all year and a strong reliance on touchdowns for value. Now, the Jets, on the other hand, have been very stingy on the ground, and they really haven't allowed much since they got chubbed in week two. And with sloppy weather forecast for Sunday, I think this could be a floor game for a guy that you're probably starting as at least a flex, if not an RB2. Um, another guy that's a caution play that's been really strong the last month or so is Damian Pierce. I mean, Washington basically put Pierce on the side of a milk carton this past week. And the Dolphins, I think, could do so again. They, they've actually allowed the third fewest running back rushing yards all year. It was only two backs to top 65 yards against them. Now, Pierce has been thriving on volume. Miami's allowed the few, among the fewest rushing attempts as well. So I think he's still got a solid touchdown potential that could save his day. But if he gets the lack of a score, I think that puts him at another floor day this weekend. So on a deep weekend for RB scoring with nobody on by, he's outside my top 20 or 25. And he's probably a better flex than an RB2 like he has been. Ouch. Yeah, I like me some Damon Pierce, but I didn't like what he did last week. All right, how about a couple of wide receivers uh, you like this week and why? Well, let's go back to Drake London again. I mean, first of all, it's the commander's pass defense, which is below average. Secondly, he has scored in consecutive weeks. He clearly has the eye of Mariota in the red zone when they do pass. He has 11 red zone targets this year already. He's in the top 10 in the NFL while playing for a red zone run-heavy offense. Now, since Washington can't be easily run on, especially in the middle, as the Falcons prefer, I think play action to London is a very strong possibility at the goal line. And then, like we mentioned earlier, they lost Kyle Pitts for the year, so his target share is going to go up. And that could kind of ameliorate his touchdown dependency in PPR leagues up to starter level. Another guy I like is Tyler Boyd. I mean, obviously the Titans are terrible on pass defense, fourth in wide receiver yards, second in touchdowns, pretty good versus the run. 
So I expect another high-volume Joe Burrow day in the air this week. And the Bengals have been shockingly egalitarian in their wide receiver scoring. They've absolutely seemed to take turns for the last two years with guys going off. Uh, I love the whole passing game. Higgins went off last week. Chase is still out. So I'm definitely focusing on Boyd to have the big game this time, especially because the Titans have been really poor against slot receivers and secondary targets. So, And they've also been worse at home, allowing nine double-digit PPR wide receiver games in only four games. So Higgins is a start, but I think Boyd could have a bounce-back game too. Okay, well, I uh, like me some Boyd. I've, I've got him. I need him to come through, too. All right, a couple of guys I like this week. Actually, three guys, but two of them are on the same team. Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Uh, guess what? They're playing the Steelers. I think that uh, Matt Ryan is going to rebound this week and throw a couple of scores, and it could be to both of these guys. So if you got him, of course you're going to start Pittman. That's a confidence, solid, confident play. And Paris Campbell's become a pretty consistent, too. Kind of like uh, he's this uh, version of DPJ <laughs> for the Browns. Uh, the other guy, Gabe Davis, uh, I think he's going to score in the Lions. As it's, you know, uh, Josh Allen's had a couple of under, underperforming games and all, but I think that Gabe's going to – He's overdue for a long one, so I think he's going to score. So if you got Gabe Davis, you know, it's just like Devonta Smith. You stick him in your lineup, and you hope he blows up, and you just got to grit your teeth through those low games because if you start trying to pick when to start him, you're never going to pick right. A couple of guys I'm concerned about this week, Darnell Mooney. Obviously, they're playing the Jets. Uh, Sauce Gardner is probably going to be on him. Also, we don't even know if Justin Fields is going to be able to play. He's got the dislocated shoulder day-to-day, but he could be season-ending. I don't know. We'll see later in the week. If uh, Justin Fields doesn't play, then I'm certainly not starting Darnell Mooney. Uh, Another guy uh, that's kind of fading uh, from the, uh, the landscape here, Adam Thielen, Minnesota. They're playing the Patriots. And, of course, with Hawkinson now on the team, he's losing targets. The Patriots, Patriots secondary is very, very good. It, bottom line, it, that equals a risky play for fantasy. So if you've got somebody like Drake London, like what we've got, our, our choice, uh, Chris, and Fanex to start Drake London over Adam Thielen, yeah, that definitely is, is a go for me. All right, how about you, Chris? A couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why? Uh, I'm going to start with Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's probably been – close to droppable with his struggling offense, but I think he's a bench stash if you've got a league without transactions down the stretch because he's got a favorable stretch schedule after this week. Week 12, the Steelers should again have a hard time throwing the ball on Monday night in Indy, uh, and even if they do toss the ball a lot, the Colts have been among the best at covering the slot and the underneath routes he specializes in. He might get you a handful of catches for 45 yards, but that high PPR floor is probably also his very low ceiling because he's not scored all year. Um, He's been between 4 and 11 points since week 4 when Kenny Pickett took over the starting role with no more than five catches in a game and only averaging 37 yards per game with Pickett. So he's got to be benched. And then my caution play for the week, I know this almost sounds like sacrilege, is Christian Watson. Uh, He's the number two wide receiver in fantasy football the last two weeks, five touchdowns, two games. He's a sit for me this week. Um, The rookies on a recent pace for scoring touchdowns is just unsustainable. And unlike most of the top recent high scorers, he's got a very low reception total which gives him a low floor in PPR leagues without scoring. So facing that top-notch secondary, like you said this week, you're going to see probably some shutdown coverage from big play slay. Um, And the Eagles have had trouble stopping the run. Green Bay has shown all year they will run and run and run and limit the number of throws if it works to their advantage. So I think Green Bay is going to pound the Eagles to protect themselves and avoid the pass defense, and that Watson has a pedestrian day this week. Okay, how about a couple of tight ends you you like this week and why? (laughs) The only Ram I like, Tyler Higby. Uh, unsurprisingly, he's been the Rams' most targeted man since Cup went down. But Higby's actually been second to Kelsey amongst tight ends all season in targets and receptions, keeping his PPR floor very, very high. He's been a low-end number one only because he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. 
the only top 25 tight end in receptions or targets not to find pay dirt. You know that whoever's under quarterback is going to target him heavily. Um, there's no greater pal to an inexperienced quarterback than a good tight end, for example. I like his floor this week, and I like a positive regression to help him get in the end zone and be a solid TE1. And then I like Dawson Knox this week. He's coming off his best game of the season on this same field against a much tougher opponent. Uh, the usually touchdown-dependent option now faces a team that is number two in the NFL in allowing tight end touchdowns. Um, the, the Lions have also allowed either 100 yards receiving or at least one touchdown to a tight end in seven of their last eight Thanksgiving Day games, incredibly. Um, he's, another interesting stat I found, he played New Orleans on Thanksgiving last year, scored twice. These two games are the only games he's played indoors since becoming the starter in Buffalo, so he's averaging over 16 points per game inside. That's a nice little weird stat to consider for his upside this week. Nice. All right. A couple of uh, tight ends I like this week. Uh, Foster Moreau. I know he only had that one big catch uh, in overtime last week, uh, but the Seahawks are the worst against the tight end. And, of course, uh, Devontae Adams can't catch everything. So I think that Foster is going to be able to get open. Uh, Carr will have the time and get him the football. He uh, has a good shot to score this week. Noah Fant in that same game uh, for Seattle, because guess what? The Raiders uh, can't guard the tight end either. They've allowed six tight end scores in 2022, so if you need Noah Fant, that's a nice uh, streaming option for you there. A couple of guys I'm concerned about this week. Uh, boy, Juwan Johnson is hot. He's been making key catches and, and running down sidelines, scoring touchdowns, but the 49ers really, really do limit the tight end, so I'd be careful about starting him this week. And Tyler Conklin, uh, the Bears surprisingly played the tight end well. Uh, well, he had a big game, uh, Conklin, and a couple scores against the Patriots three four weeks ago. Well, guess what? Zach Wilson probably not going to play. Uh, Joe Flacco to Conklin, not so much. Also, the Bears, like I said, have got a, they guard the tight end pretty well, so I would not depend on anything from Tyler Conklin this week. How about you, Chris, a couple of tight ends you're concerned about and why? Cole Komet. Uh, he's already a risk in PPRs due to his high touchdown dependency and his low target rate. The Bears just don't throw it enough, and the targets have been below have been four or below in nine of 11 games this year. The Jets also have only allowed tight ends to score via their PPR value. They've allowed the fourth most receptions, but they're pretty good at limiting the position as they're one of two teams yet to yield a tight end touchdown. And they face many of the top touchdown scoring tight ends already. So I think he's a very low floor guy in PPRs with a low chance of breaking out like he did on his recent kind of weird touchdown scoring spree. And then Kate Otten's another one I'm, I'm probably benching. Uh, the, the rookie flashed at times, but it's important to note that he averaged 11 PPR points per game and six targets in the four games Cameron Bright missed, but only three points per game and two targets when he's active. Now, Bright is back, and now he's also facing the Browns. have done a very good job of limiting the tight end for fantasy this year, allowing only one touchdown and only two players to top 10 PPR points with a high of 16 when that guy scored that one touchdown. He may got you through the bye weeks and the injury fest at tight end for the last few weeks, but it's time to let Kate Otten go back to the waiver wire in non-dynasty format. Okay, how about uh, one-hit wonders? Uh, kicker and defense, hit me with them. Okay, there's nobody on a bye, so a lot, and a lot of the usual guys have good matchups, so streaming is probably going to be less than usual this week. And so now when you look at kickers, first thing you look at is weather because this time of year. Chase McLaughlin one of the few kicking indoors. He's got a struggling offense against a rising defense with a reduced chance of punching it in. Pittsburgh has also allowed 10-plus kicker points and 3-plus field goals three of their last five. So you got to like Chase McLaughlin on Monday night. And then Matt Prater, also no weather, a weekend offense, facing a team like the Chargers that have allowed the third-most kicker points and double-digit kicker points in four of their last five. So two really good options with no weather concerns. Defenses I like. I love the Chiefs at home against the Rams. 
Former cross-state rivals, the Rams have allowed the most defensive points, and they might be starting Bryce Perkins at quarterback. Ick. Uh, and Ick. I actually like both of the, I like both of the Monday night defenses because I, I hate both of the offenses are playing as well. But I'm going to go with the home team with Indianapolis. I think both teams are in line for a defensive score in Monday night football. I'll take the home team against the team that has allowed 10-plus fantasy points to defenses the most times this year. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 13 preview. Yes, we're coming up on December. Ooh, it's, it's season's gone really fast. Good night, and good luck to everyone playing this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!